All right, it's John again. And Rick. And I'm Ramey. Welcome to Say the X, where we look at the classic anime Hunter x Hunter with new eyes. Watch along with us as we break down each of the series' 148 episodes. This week, we're looking at episode two, Test of Tests. Gon, Karapika, and Leorio arrive in Dahl Harbor. The captain advises Gon to go to a lone cedar tree on top of a mountain, where he will find some navigators to take him to the hunter exam. The group sets off, but their path is blocked by an old woman and her silent masked chorus. She asks them who they would choose if they could only save their son or their daughter. All three guess correctly, in their own way, with silence. The group reach the cedar tree and find a husband and wife being attacked by a huge fox-faced monster. Yorio stays behind to tend to the wounded husband, and the others pursue. Gon confronts a monster, but figures out it is different than the one they had been chasing. Karapika discovers the monsters are shapeshifters after punching a false Leorio. For their cleverness and care, the monsters reveal they are the Kiriko navigators, and that all three are worthy to enter the hunter exam. The Kiriko fly Gon, Leorio, and Karapika to Zaban City. So what'd you guys think? Um, it felt cliche. Huh. Okay. Um, I mean, do you want me to dive in, like, right into why? Well, give us, give us one reason. Sure, two words. Sophie's choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have that in my note, that, that, uh, that when Gon's like, what if we have to make that decision? And it's treated like this huge moment of, of insight. And it's just like, come on, guys, let's, let's, let's pull it back a little. <laughs> Let's not get quite as excited about this. I like this episode. It's very clearly like a transition episode, but I think we get some really good character moments, and I actually like the conflict with the Kiriko. Uh, I think they're a lot of fun. So go, go in on why Sophie's Choice bugged you. So, okay, coming out of the first episode, like I said, you know, uh, there was that Harry Potter feel. Uh, there was that Luke Skywalker feel. Uh, and then the very next test is literally Sophie's choice, right? Grandmother comes out, blocks their path as they're trying to get to uh, Zavon City uh, and gives them that impossible question. Um, you know, uh, your your lover and your parent uh, are in a burning building and you're on, you can only save one. Or your mother and your father are in a sinking boat and you can only save one. It's like... You know, could we get any more cliche with the test? Um, really? I, I You feel that where else have you had a test like that? Like, like, can you point to another place in, in media? Sure. War where? games. Fair enough. Because <laughs> that was the other thing. It's yeah. like, because uh, the conclusion of the test is basically the only answer is to not answer, which is essentially uh, the only move is to not play. Yeah, um, no, that's that that's exactly right. Uh, but why did that bother you here, whereas the Star Wars overtones in the last episode didn't bother you? Well, because I think that the Star Wars overtones and even the Harry Potter overtones, however you want to call them, I mean, I think that every culture has some sort of uh, tendency towards a messianic myth. Um, and so I think I was not as bothered by the trope of the Messiah um, or the the child following in their father's footsteps, as I was about something that was you know is just really felt cliche. Uh, it's like you know 
Um, you can only save one, uh, which is the Sophie's Choice cliche, right? Uh, and then the only answer is not to play, which is the the um, the war games cliche. And it's like, okay, well, it's it's a cliche, but I felt like what was more important was what happened between the characters there, how each one came to that answer. Sure. You know, that that I think it's interesting that Karapika figured it out and Leorio sort of followed Karapika's lead and Gon was just sitting there thinking like, 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 like I felt like that little injection of humor popped the bubble of it a little like it wasn't serious. It was just about not thinking you had the answer, which I think is another thing that sort of distinguishes our three protagonists right now from a lot of the other people they've met. Well, that's the example you know, they have the guy who has, like, followed them to the test site, and he kind of, like, if I remember correctly, he kind of cuts in front of them in terms of answering uh, Grandmother's quiz show there, and uh, and he's very certain about how it's supposed to go. And then they get asked almost an identical question. I mean, it's essentially the same question, um, but they think about it longer, and that's how they're able to solve it. It's a cliche kind of a question. I have it written down as the trolley problem rather than Sophie's choice, but yeah. Um, but I, 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 it didn't bother me in terms of the the fact that it is kind of cliched. Uh, I think for me though, I was kind of more fascinated by all the weirdos behind grandmother. Yeah, and the I, I mean the, uh, the, the one Greek of them has, chorus. Yeah, yeah, and one of them has like a like a. A bicycle a horn. horn or something, yeah. Yeah, um, and it goes honk. Car! I love it, that. But the little crows call afterwards, it just—I don't know—that that always cracks me up. Uh, yeah, I, I actually thought that the uh, that the Greek chorus behind grandmother, uh, and and here's the other thing is um, we have two grandmothers right now. Um, you know, we have um, we we have Gon's actual grandmother, and we have. Uh, this examiner who is uh, referred to as grandmother by Leorio. Um, and, and they're two very different grandmothers because uh, Gon's grandmother is actually his grandmother and calling her grandmother is a sign of respect where it was clear that Leorio and his self-importance um, was trying to be as disrespectful as possible to this elder that blocked his path. Once again, not recognizing really how the game is played. Like Leorio right now has been the guy who makes the bad, the wrong decision almost every time and is just bailed out by his friends every time. Right. Like he almost goes on the bus. He mouths off to the grandmother. Kurapika would believe him to be the sort of person who would leave an injured man alone, uh, even though that didn't happen. Right. Last episode, we talked about how he was kind of a creep and kind of insincere. But once again, we sort of see him... As more than that. In this episode, he was um, he was a brat. I think that's the best way sure. to put it. Yeah, it's weird that he seems to be the oldest, and yet he also seems to be sort of the least mature. Yes, for sure. He's definitely a child wearing an adult's skin or, or, or dressing up as an adult. This is actually the first time that uh, Karupika is actually uh, referred to as a child. Or sorry, as a, as a boy. Not true. In the in the first episode, the captain says, uh, calls out to them and says, hey, boys, don't go out there. 
and and gone and gone tells him no they've got to they've got to figure this out i i saw that to be more of a um you know like hey boys hey guys type of thing where it's used as collective whereas here uh karupika is actually referred to as um the cat-eyed boy yes okay yeah no you're right you're right Um, damn i tried to slam dunk on you and you just you just blocked me at the rim. <laughs> yeah. And that was actually, um, that was kind of important for me because I I honestly um, thought that uh, Koripika was a girl. And I think that part of that is because names that end in A, for me, naturally, uh, you know, growing up in Miami, you know, as a Hispanic person, if, if it ends in A, it's feminine. And so in my head through the first episode, even the use of boys was a collective uh, not an identifier, and here they actually referred to Karupika as as a boy, and it didn't actually break anything for me, but it still felt weird because he's very pretty. He's not handsome in the way that Leorio is. He's pretty in the way, uh, actually, in the way that Mita was uh, in that first episode. They they even have similar haircuts. <laughs> the thing I want to talk about with this episode. Um, is actually when Gon and his friends are leaving the boat at the very beginning, and it's what the captain says about Gon's dad. He says something along the lines of, like, rest easy, knowing your kid's on the, the right track. Just the phrasing made me feel like the captain knows that his dad is dead, maybe. My big observation of this one is, one, there was more talk about kind of finding his dad or following his dad in his dad's footsteps. And so it's almost like he wants to be a hunter so he can hunt his dad. Oh, that's really, Um, yeah. And so for, you know, like we talked about with the first episode and not really knowing how the X worked in a lot of the text here, um, Mm -hmm. I was under the impression or previous media had taught me that like something X something means versus. Okay. Right. So, so. Oh, that's interesting. So, reading, yeah. So, I, I read it as spy versus spy originally. Right. I read it as hunter versus hunter. Um, okay. So, and so, so, so you're you're like maybe there's a rivalry or some sort of conflict here that that he's trying to overcome. That's that fits the text really well. And the, when the captain says that thing, it really feels like Jing is dead. And so again. What I'm going to probably continue to come back to is I'm just, I'm really worried. Like, it's going to get dark and it's going to get sad. And this poor little boy who took too long and never actually solved the trolley problem for himself because they had already solved the quiz is going to have to, like, make some terribly hard choices and stuff and, and find out that his, you know, maybe the reason his dad never came back to explain why it was so great about hunting is because his dad's dead. Wow, that's, that's super heavy. <laughs> So I, I kind of wanted to talk about this, and I think we're with two episodes, we can sort of see how the show isn't like the patterns a lot of these sorts of anime would have. Mm-hmm. Like, whether the quest's goal was good would would never be a big question. You know, like, maybe maybe the goodness of the goal would be fine, but but but, like, maybe there is no goal. You know, maybe the goal is too nebulous. Maybe the goal is 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 too dark. I think that you guys are thinking along those lines is very much by design. You know, even though you found Sophie's Choice cliche, I feel like 
it's still Sophie's choice. You still have to decide, make an impossible decision. And you're giving this question to children. Right. You know, especially in Gon's case, a child. Well, and, and Gon is definitely a child. And, and, and the reference to Karupika as the cat-eyed boy uh, paints them as a child. Um, but Leorio seems to be significantly older while still being probably the least mature of the three. Right. I I would say that that Gon in a lot of ways is is immature as well. Like he definitely sees finding those monsters as way more fun than he should. Like he's he's like, "Yeah, now I now I get to now I get to fight a monster. Let's do it." Well, but and again though, um it it shows that he has some natural ability too because you know not only does he like he can actually hear the creatures in the forest speaking to each other and he has this ability uh to tell these monsters apart uh where no one else can um which again i think sets him up in in that messiah role or in that um at least chosen one yeah the chosen one role where he's got these special abilities uh, that set him apart from everybody else that he's interacting with. What was it that tipped him off? I've I've forgotten. What was it that tipped him off that they that the Kiriko weren't all a single monster? Uh, it was a bunch of things. It was like they looked different and they sounded different. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I love again. I think this episode's really funny. Like like I think that that sequence where he's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> Uh, is is really funny. I think the stuff with the with with the grandmother with the with the honk and the caw is funny. I think there are a number of things where you're not supposed to read this quite as seriously as, as perhaps we are. But that's kind of something that happened in the first one, though, in the first episode, where um, everything is kind of light and it has a seriousness to it, but it has an innocence to it when we're with Gone, and then we meet Leorio, and he's very exaggerated and goofy. And then it takes that kind of like whip turn with with Kirapika where their backstory is incredibly dark and their motivation is is pretty dark. Um, this one, again, like there is all the funny stuff happening during Grandmother's Quiz Show, but the question's not funny. No, and, and, the, and the stakes aren't funny. Right. Like, like just because he, let, he, he, he was let past doesn't mean that he, he went on. And it's weird because the Kiriko, the, the creatures... Even when they realize what's up with them, they're the navigators, and they still seem dangerous. Yeah, well, they're huge creatures with giant claws. Yeah, yeah, they, but they, but they don't ever like, you know, like at the same time, like Totoro is a huge creature who has pretty big claws, but you never get scared for those kids. Not in the way that I get scared of these things with their bat-like wings and their kind of weird, like stretched-out fox faces. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to admit that. Um... As much as I know what my friend Totoro is, I've never actually watched it. So shame me if you must. No, 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 okay. no shame. No it, shame. It's it's great. You'll love it. Uh, I think your kid would love it. Uh, it's very weird. It's worth watching. It is definitely worth watching. But yeah. I'll definitely um, pick it up. But I mean, even like I would even say like, you know, that I pulled that one out. But like, you know, like you could go Pete's Dragon or. Yeah. Yeah, just tons of stuff. Like, like there are things that yeah. theoretically, in the right angle, the right light, could be kind of dangerous. But you know that everything's cool. These things never look friendly. 
Like really? They don't. Because I, I I feel like when one of them laughs. Yeah, in the in the reveal scene, uh, when the four of them are standing there and they're basically congratulating um, each of them for recognizing uh, what was going on. Uh, there there is a. I agree that there's like a grotesqueness to them. Um, but there is also like a softness and, and like a, a friendliness, uh, that to their personalities yeah, they and, act, and to their yeah, voices they act friendly for sure. Um, yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't argue that. Um, but there's still like, there's an element of danger and it's, it's weird. Uh, and I hope that this doesn't get overplayed in the series for me personally. When, when Gon realizes that, that there's more than one creature and he's like, but you're not the one I was chasing. That's a really cool reveal, and it shows like kind of his supernatural skills or and or birthright. But there is an element of like, what were you gonna do if you caught the one you were catching? Yeah, you know, he just stops yeah. and he's like, "Hey, you're not the one," and starts to talk to it, and it, it diffuses the situation. Luckily, but what if he was had been wrong? And so I, you know, I'm I'm waiting for that switch in in upcoming episodes where talking your way past the the super intelligent monster uh doesn't work where he has to like do something like extreme and physical and and dangerous and we actually saw the same thing with karupika right when um leorio approaches them uh they're with the wife uh or the the purported wife uh in the forest uh you know they had been kidnapped by the monster uh, and then dropped off because uh, Gon and Karupika chased him down. And Leorio was supposed to be back at the cabin uh, tending to the husband. Um, right. You know, and so there's the whole thing where the, the attention to detail where Karupika recognizes the the tattoos and all that and says, you know, you, you can't possibly be that man's wife uh, because your tattoo marks you as... Um, as, as as unmarriageable, as, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, you know, you see that attention to detail, and I think that that is that that's more like book smarts uh, that Karupika uh, displays there. But then, like, in the very next breath, uh, Leorio comes up, and it's not Leorio, um, and it's really interesting the way that that came about because even though. Karupika has like exactly no respect for who Leorio is uh, and doesn't seem to trust him at all. Um, they still determine that Leorio isn't Leorio um, because I, I guess they still think that there's a nugget of humanity in him that wouldn't leave a dying man alone. Um, yeah, well, and 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 pretty much the reason Karupika hits fake Leorio is because he had assented to help the man and leaving him alone while wild be while a magical beast was on the loose was, was not doing that. And I think the sort of the, the inverse is true as well, that Leorio didn't do that, that he did what he said he would do, that he understood what was being asked of him. Also, I want to point out, I think this is the first time that we find out that Leorio uh, has some sort of medical background, that he has that little case and he's got stuff in it, and he's actually really good at using it. Like, this is the first time we have, like, a an unqualified, he's good at this. Now, isn't Karupika hitting, hitting Leorio, who's not Leorio, actually a win-win for Karupika? 
Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Cause if, if it was Leorio, he deserved to be hit for leaving uh, a dying man unattended. And if it wasn't Leorio, well then, you know, proved it wasn't, wasn't Leorio. Um, so I think that Karupika was in, in like a, a win-win situation there as far as like either chastising somebody who deserved it, uh, or, um, identifying somebody who was being an imposter. But I think that for me anyway, it was surprising to me that, that Karupika was, um, went to the side of, you can't possibly be Leorio because I trust you or I trusted you to do what you said you were going to do. Because up until this point, Leorio has been pretty trashy. Um, but he does, he does, he, he's right there next to him when they save the the deckhand, though. Like, he, 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 he talks. Leorio has a heart. Yeah, he talks and he projects that kind of ruthless scumbag kind of thing, but, but his actions haven't really bore that out. You know, and even though it takes him longer, he does come to the right conclusion on the the quiz. Does he come to the right conclusion to, uh, on the quiz, or does he? Because the way I read that scene from Leorio's perspective was that he was fighting against every bit of his instinct. Like he wanted to give an answer and was was doing everything possible to not give an answer. Uh, and was really angry that he wasn't being allowed to give an answer. Um, it, it's not like he sat there and said, oh, well, the right answer is to not answer, uh, so I'm not going to answer. The only one that actually came to that was uh, Karupika. Um, and and even Gon didn't come to that. He was just so stuck in his own head trying to find the right answer that he ran out of time to give an answer. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think what's happening there is, is Karupika is naturally, or not naturally, but their personality they're the honorable one so they kind of they go to the the moral right uh kind of naturally and so leorio doesn't but he still gets there i guess is the way i read it um he was fighting against himself and he did want to give an answer and he did want his answer to be the right answer because he wants success but in the end in order to succeed through that quiz he had to reach that point where it's like well there is no right answer like my my question on Leorio there is, you know, I wonder if like his motivation for staying with uh, the husband was, was it because he wanted to do the right thing or was it because he thought that he was going to be the hero and so he would get recognition and that leads to fame and fortune? No, I think, I think it's pretty clear that he was doing the right thing. It's not ambiguous that, that Leorio not only did what he did, but he did it well and had good bedside manner to keep the husband calm. Like he was, he did that because he's a good person. At, at the time, though, and I will, I will kind of agree with Rick on this. At the time when he stays, and the other two go out after the monsters, I did question, like, uh, why is? Because, because there is a feeling in the way he's dressed and just his stature and everything that he is older than them, that he is the adult and they are not. The idea that, like, I'm the adult, I'll stay with the injured person. You two children go out and fight the flying werewolf monsters. I think by the end of the episode, when you hear the explanation and you hear um, that they're all these creatures and that it was a test and that they've all been deemed worthy based on their actions and you find out that he 
did stay there and he did really treat him successfully and well and, and really knew, knew what he was doing and stayed by his side to make sure he was safe, then you know. But that's the kind of thing is like, he does continuously say, I don't care about people. I'm a bad person. I'm a scumbag. I'm in this for selfish reasons. Does he ever? I, I feel like he's never quite that explicit. I think oh, no, he's like, no, he's I'm not. in this for selfish reasons. No, I'm exaggerating. But I don't, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, for sure. I, I'm going to I need to say this. I really like Leorio as a character. He might be among my favorite characters on the show. And so I just, I feel like I need to say when I first read Hunter x Hunter, that was true. Like when I was in your position and didn't know the future, I liked Leorio. Like, I liked Karapika and I liked Gon, but for whatever reason, Leorio, who seems completely out of his depth in this, in this, but really isn't, is kind, is kind of the guy I relate to most. Oh, well, yeah, okay. I, I, and I could definitely see that because <laughs> I, don't, I don't relate to Gon or Karapika very much, you know, so yeah, I can see where you could relate to them for sure. I don't relate to Gon at all. Um, I don't think you can. But I, mean, I really I mean, like him because he's so innocent. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's very likable, but but he's not really like anyone. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that, um, you know, much to what John was saying earlier, uh, you know, is Khan just going to accident his way into things by being so freaking innocent until it finally kills him? Uh, that's my worry for him, uh, watching him right now. Um, Leorio... There's a million different things that bother me about Leorio and just the fact that... Uh, so I deal with people like him um, on okay. a daily basis. Um, people who walk into a room and think they're the smartest person there. And, and I think that walking into a room and being confident is one thing, but walking into a room and wanting everybody else to believe the way that you believe about you... Um, you know, I, I don't need to deal... I, I don't like that in people... And so Leorio really rubs me the wrong way because that's the way that he comes off. You know, um, I want the recognition. I want everybody. I want the fame and fortune. I want everybody to know that I'm the best. And that's why I'm doing this. Uh, th there is nothing redeeming about that to me and nothing at all relatable. And, and, and the only way that I do relate to it is in people that I dislike uh, being around. See, and I think I, I don't know. I, I... You got to be careful because you know where this is going. <laughs> uh, so you, you gotta be you gotta be careful because we we have no idea what's in this man's heart but you've seen the end of the season but but i'm saying i remember very clearly that i i enjoyed leorio and i felt that his character type of sort of the good-hearted guy who who puffs himself up is like a really iconic style of character in anime and manga like in that sense, he's a he's a stock character. Uh, in a lot of other ways, he isn't. But but I know, like like just having read and watched as much as I had at that point, which is it, which was in like two thousand one. Like I knew that he wouldn't stay that way. Either he would learn something, or something would be revealed about him. Yeah. Like, and so I'm. I I really am. I have a very vivid memory of this, and so. Part of this might be that I read it. I was reading it differently because of my broader understanding of the tropes that run these that that, that run these manga. But I think right. it's really cool that that I mean, at the very least, you can't say that he didn't draw a reaction out of you. 
Like he's not boring. No, he's not boring at all. Um, my reaction to him is very visceral. Making a tie back to to, to you know Western entertainment, um, he is very much uh, Doctor Perry Cox or Doctor House uh, without any redeeming qualities yet. He did bind the guy's wounds better than any doctor could have, but you know, true. Yeah. But I mean, um, so you know, he yeah, he has shown that he has skill there. Um, but like even House has a soft side and, and even Cox has a, has a soft side uh, where they feel human um, beyond their professionalism, right? Beyond their ability to be doctors. Um, right. Uh, but what I want to point out is that this is not an episodic show. This is a serial show. Right. And so and so the sorts of things that you have to do on an episodic show where people are expected to be able to watch a single episode and sort of get it are different than the demands of uh, of a serial show where you can s- reveal things more slowly. Yeah, so, I mean, to this point, um, you know, I'll give him credit. He he took care of the husband. And I keep calling him the husband, but it was actually the brother and... Yeah, but he was uh, identified as the husband initially. Right, and, and, and I remember him being identified as the husband, and now I'm trying to think back, you know, were there ever any, like, romantic overtones between the husband and wife... Um, well, I mean, when they found them, the husband had already been attacked. Yeah, there was, it was established merely by, this is the story we're telling you. And everything moved real quick. Yeah, and, and it moved so fast that I wasn't sure if I had missed something. Like, if there was, uh, if there was, like, any, like, physical connection or, or any, uh, like, anything that, that would have identified them as husband and wife other than being told that they were husband and wife. So, the, the other thing, um... You know, talking about how we feel about the characters and how we identify with them. Um, you know, I I feel a certain amount of kinship with Karupika just because um, in my own personal life over the last two years, uh, some really crappy things have happened um, that, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse, have put me where I am today. But in those two years... Uh, really felt like uh, like my life had been destroyed. Like everything that I loved and and wanted to have near me was taken away from me. Um, so there's a there's a certain kinship that I feel with Karupika and their reason for being a hunter uh, that I just don't like. I don't feel with with Gone at all, and and even less so with Leorio because he's so freaking cocky. Um, but that that. Um, that hero's quest of, you know, something horrible, horrible happened and you, you know, you're now driven to set it right or uh, avenge the loss is something that resonates with me. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I really want to see where, where they go with that character uh, just because, you know, if we're drawing connections and parallels, Karupika is the one that, you know, that really feels a lot closer uh, to my own experience, especially over the last two years. Oh man, that's that's. Thank you for sharing that, Rick. I think it's cool when you can relate to characters like that, and I think, you know, I I I, to, I, I think that that's one of the things about Hunter X Hunter that I that I really like is that the characters are distinct, and but you know they're they're at this point they're still fairly broad, mm-hmm. but there's things that you can find to like about them. And I think one of the things about Gon is that you're not supposed to relate to him. Keep in mind who this show is initially aimed at, which is 
13 to 16 year old boys. Right. You want to be him. He is your, he is your, your view into this world. He's you, right. you know, in a very real way, he's the audience surrogate. And so he can't have too much to get in the way of that. And I think yeah. that that's sort of what we're running up against when we see ourselves being like, ah, I don't really relate to him. It's like, yeah. no, you're, you are him. I think that's why I've mentioned several times how like I'm afraid of where that story's going because I don't r- relate with Gone um, because he is a child and I'm not one anymore. Um, right. But it does make me worried because I do relate to that idea of kind of the the absentee father and uh the, that person kind of being um, some kind of a legend and trying to kind of walk in the kind of footsteps of, of that legend. And then, you know, for me personally, kind of growing up and realizing that, I don't know, there's a lot of darkness uh, with that. And there can be a lot of disappointment and a lot of realizing the things that when you're a kid and you think like, oh, you know, my dad is so cool or, or this person that I look up to is so cool and I'm going to be just like them. And then kind of uh, learning that, you know, possibly they're not cool and perhaps they're terrible. And that's the reason the idea of like, I want to be a hunter, uh, so I can find out what was so special that kept my dad from paying attention to me. I don't know, man. Like that for me, like the, the, everyone being, you know, murdered and wanting revenge is a very extreme example of kind of personal loss and dealing with things. And it's certainly relatable but that also feels like I know the two or three different directions that that story usually goes. So though I relate to it, um, you know, on a very kind of a basic storytelling level, I don't know where Gon's story is going. But don't we, though? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> so, yeah, by what you guys have been saying, it would be a real short, real sad show. Uh, well, show. No, I mean, I, again, I don't I don't think he's going to end up dying. Um, like, I don't think he's going to end up meeting like a particularly sticky end because that's frankly, that's easy end. you know, just like, Oh, well, he really didn't have it or, Oh, whoop, it was much worse than he thought. But the idea that like, if he learns that his dad is a terrible person, that's a much more tragic end in terms of a, 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 a an adventure story like this, than he just learns that being an adventurer is a lot harder than he expected. You know, if he learns that whatever it is that was so exciting to his dad that kept his dad away is something that's petty or selfish or depraved or, or ugly, like like if his dad is Karapika or the Oreo. Yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. you know, or yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, I mean, if you want to start relating it to like real life stuff, like maybe his dad is just on drugs, you know, or maybe his dad just doesn't like him. You know, like, hell, that's pretty dark right there. Uh, right. And so I I don't relate to him because I'm not a kid, but but I do relate to that feeling of not having a dad that was necessarily around all the time and people telling you how much you were like them or uh, how much you look like them or act like them or do the things that they do. And this kind of, whether it's the dad building themselves up like a legend to their kid, which is something that dads kind of naturally can do sometimes, or other people building his father up as a legend, this idea that he's going to learn the truth of it eventually. And if the truth is bad, 
it's going to be real bad. So thanks, thanks for the fun cartoon. <laughs> hey, yeah, no problem. It, let, let me tell you, you guys are touching on exactly what I love about this show. Like, even this early. Like, I feel like it's so packed. And, there, and, and it, you know, it, it leaves you thinking. It, 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 like, like, there's something there. Like, in a lot of things, it's just like, oh, he's this spunky kid who wants to be blah. Whereas this is a little stickier and more mysterious. Yeah, I, I think the the reason that I say that I know, you know, that we already know where this is going is the fact that we are not 12 year old kids anymore. Uh, we, we've made it this far. Um, so, um, you know, building off of Gone being the uh, uh, the audience surrogate. Um, I mean, we know where, you know, being that innocent goes. Because we were that innocent at some point in our lives, you know, and here we are how many decades later um, and we're not that innocent anymore. Um, So, you know, where like, I'm not sure what the sticky end will be. I'm not sure what the revelation about um, Jing is going to be, whether he died and that's why Gon never met him or whether he's still out hunting um, or whether he put himself, you know, uh, in isolation because he didn't like who he became. I mean, those are like the, I think those are like the three big things that may have happened to him, uh, right now, just because the, the, the series so far is so trope laden that those are the three main tropes that, that are, that they're pointing to. But, you know, because we are here, what for me, three decades later from being gone, um, you know, I know where where his story goes and, and it's, you know, everything that I thought, everything that I idealized, everything that I looked up to, uh, everything that I wanted to be, um, you know, 30 years ago is not what I am today. Uh, and 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 so I, I think that despite whatever specifics may come, I think that the the end of this story is that Gone is not innocent. 150 episodes in uh and he's lost his innocent in some very cruel ways um now of course this is me kind of projecting onto the character because you described him as as the audience surrogate uh and and obviously you know with my own experiences but um you know at the end of the day isn't that really just you know going from childhood to adulthood where all of your innocence is taken away Thanks so much for listening to Say the X. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Say the X Pod. Email us at SayTheXPodcast at gmail.com. Say the X theme music by Jake Cook. You can watch along with us on Netflix, Hulu, or Crunchyroll. Come back next week for episode three, Rivals in Survival. <laughs>